Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome listening friends to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. So thankful that you chose to tune in with us here today, and we hope and pray you'll make it a happy habit. I'm Joe Nettles. I pastor Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, near Caledonia, Mississippi, in the Bartahatchee community. And also, I welcome you on behalf of Elder David Wise, the faithful pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church at 11 Staten Road, near Ackerman, Mississippi. And we also invite you on behalf of Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 55... Tahoe Road in Mabin, Mississippi. All of our churches meet at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. We would love to have you. We also meet every Wednesday evening, 6 p.m., on the grounds of New Covenant Church, 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi. We meet at 6 p.m. for an abbreviated service and a time of fellowships. We would love to have you come and study the Lord's Word with us. We invite you to go to the website that services this broadcast, gospel-of-grace.com. Please write us and let us know that you're listening. We would absolutely love and be greatly assured uh, and encouraged if you would write us and let us know that you're listening. Uh, today we have a message for you on becoming a son of God uh, from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, uh, verses 12 through 13. And uh, we'll be right back with the message. much for staying with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Again, I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm turned in my King James Translation Bible to John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 11 through 13. We're going to try to deal with a passage of scripture today that is very often misunderstood, and hence, because it's misunderstood, it is taught in the wrong way, in the wrong perspective. We go to John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. How does the world typically run this, the world of Christian religion? When they read this, the first thing that comes to mind, especially reading it from this King James translation, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And a lot of people say, well, that sounds perfectly legitimate. 
considering the grand, the majority opinion of Christendom today, and that is by you hearing the gospel, it is an invitation, an opportunity, a chance for you to be saved. And if you hear it and you choose to believe it, and then you choose to confess Jesus under the sound of it and join his church, then, you know, you'll be saved. Heaven will be your home because of the choice that you made. And unfortunately, they will point at this passage of scripture where it says, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, if become only meant one thing, and become oftentimes does mean to come into existence, to come into being. Uh, we know that. We use become in that sense all the time. But that's not the only use of the term become. And I would posit for you today that this passage of Scripture is not telling you how you can uh, change from being a condemned, fallen, hell-bound creature, fallen in Adam, to transitioning to being a born-again child of God by believing the gospel. No, my friends, that just won't hold up under scriptural scrutiny. What that term become does mean is something very sweet, something very precious, and something that can be proved by scripture. That term become, because obviously from the meaning of the scripture, as many as received him, to them gave he power. That term power uh, basically not only means power, but it also carries with the idea of authority. Uh, manifestation, that there is uh, something behind you validating you. Instead of being reprobate, you are probate, as it were. Uh, it gave the power to become the sons of God, even then to believe on his name. So obviously, when believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving him in the sense under consideration here, there is a becoming that takes place. But we have to ask, what does that become mean? All right, let's look at the Greek word. Become is from the Greek word genomahi. And one of the definitions, as we mentioned earlier, to become, to come into existence, begin to be, receive being. Yes, that is one of the uh, definitions of become. And if that is the application of this word, then what it's telling us is then we are saved from hell to heaven because we believed the gospel. We heard it, we believed it, trusted in it, and according to what group of people you ask, have to go as far as confessing it or to be baptized or to persevere until the end, whatever the case may be. But that's not the only given definition from the Thayer's uh, definition. Number two, to become, to come to pass, or the happening of events. Makes sense. But number three is where we get to the gist of this issue to arise, appear in history, come upon the stage of men appearing in public. In other words, this term becoming means to manifest, to show forth the reality of a situation, to make known that which was before unknown. That is the application of become or genomahi here. He is not saying that by you hearing and believing and trusting in Jesus under the sound of the gospel, you are at that moment saved from hell to heaven. And now you've been made an eternal son of God. No, but he is saying that when you hear the gospel and you believe it and you trust in Jesus as your savior, he is manifesting to you that you already belong to him. That is an evidence and a seal in your soul uh, that you are a child of God. It's your evidence 
It's not your menu. It's not your recipe to get eternal life. It's your evidence that you already have it. Now, can we prove this scripturally by applying this genomahi, this become, to other passages of scripture? We find it used in other places in the word of God, either in the term genomahi or in like terms in the Old Testament. Let's go to an Old Testament uh, passage of scripture first. Now, notice in all these passages of scripture we're about to deal with, keep in mind that become denotes manifestation. Uh, we often say uh, he is behaving himself in a manner becoming his family name or becoming of his social standing. What does that mean? That means the way he is acting, speaking, manifests the standing, manifests the education, manifests the rearing that he's received. And we're going to see here that these usages of become, they denote manifestation or the revealing of a state that may not have been known heretofore. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 9 through 10. And Moses and the priests, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. So here Moses is saying one of two things. He's either saying that because of what the Lord's done for you, and at the point that you are right now, in the edge of entering into Canaan's land, after all the deliverances through the wilderness, remember Deuteronomy is the reiterating of the law before they entered into Canaan's land. All the ways that the Lord has led you and delivered you, up to this point right now, it manifests and reveals to you that you are the people of the Lord thy God. Or he's saying at this one moment in time, uh, you've got to do something to become the people of the Lord thy God. Well, let's look at what Brother John Gill, that great commentator of old, uh, wrote on this passage of scripture. And I quote from John Gill, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. They were his people before. He had chosen them to be his special people above all others. He had redeemed them out of Egypt. He had led them through the wilderness and provided for them and protected them there and had given them laws and statutes to observe, to walk in, all which showed them to be his peculiar people. What's Brother Gill saying? He's saying, obviously, what he's saying here is that this day, recognizing and obeying gives you an evidence of the standing that you're already in. I carry on with Brother Gill. He said, but now in a very formal and solemn manner, they were avouched and declared by him to be his people. And they had solemnly avouched and declared that he was their God and King. And every day was to be considered as this day, as if it was the day of entering into covenant with him. But according to Brother Gill's opinion, it certainly was not the entering in of the covenant. No, God had already chosen this people, made covenant promises unto this people, had led and delivered this people. So the things that they were to take heed and hearken unto, the things that they were to stir in their mind, in their remembrance, all the deliverances and all the promises of God that he's fulfilled in them, it made manifest to them that they were already a special people unto God. Now let's look at a New Testament usage of Jinomahi. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Now is he teaching here 
that until you actually read the Ten Commandments or read the law of God from the Bible, that you are not guilty before God? Uh, that means that the bar of divine justice on the very last day, if you were deprived of reading the Bible or hearing the Ten Commandments taught, then you were going to be saved through ignorance? No, absolutely not. That's not what he's saying here. Friends, become uh, doesn't mean that on the reading of the law, we then turn into guilty people. To the contrary, we became guilty in Adam when we fell in Adam some over 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden. And in our living in that sin, willfully day in and day out, even as infants, uh, even as a lying toddler, as, as one who would deceive, uh, one who would manipulate. You see, our sinful nature, we've always been guilty of sin before God. And that's why we need the Redeemer. That's why we need Jesus Christ. We became guilty in Adam and are living in sin even prior to a knowledge of the law. So here when he says that under the sound of the law, every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Rather, what Paul here is teaching is that when you read the law and you see how far uh, deficient you are in being able to keep that law, it manifests unto you that you're already guilty and condemned. At that moment in time, you don't become guilty. You were already guilty. You were conceived in the womb. David said, uh, I was conceived in sin and shapen in iniquity. Well, again, we have to rightly divide genomahi. And from the context, we know that it's not coming into being, but it is manifesting the present state. Now, Romans chapter four, verse 18, let's look at another use of genomahi. Who against hope, speaking of Abraham, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now from this, you would have to believe that because of the faith that Abraham exercised, that faith ratified the covenant promised blessings that God made unto Abraham. Somebody said, I don't see any problem with that. But there's a big problem with that. Because my friends... This was a unilateral covenant under consideration here. When you see the covenant that began to be iterated, that began to be relayed unto Abraham, starting in Genesis chapter 12, and then all the way through 15, and then into 17, you see that it was a unilateral covenant. What is a unilateral covenant? It means God entered into this covenant, assuring all the execution of this covenant in himself and his actions alone. See, a bilateral covenant, a uh, two-ended covenant means I agree with you, I'll do my part, and you have to do your part. This was a unilateral covenant, okay? So Abraham exercising faith in no wise ratified this covenant, okay? Uh, notice Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Here coming on the scene, the Lord announces unto Abram. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee. Make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. If you go back and read that, not one offer is made to Abraham. They were declarations that God was going to work this in his life. You fast forward over to Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. 
And he brought him forth abroad. God brought forth Abram abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he, Abram, Abraham believed in the Lord and he counted unto him for righteousness. What's he saying there? Abraham believed the promises, the unfailing promises of the Lord and a special assurance was given to Abraham that God was going to keep his promises. So you see, my friends, Abraham's living in faith was a manifestation. It was a token, a showing forth that he was already a beloved and special child of God and that God had chosen him out that from his lineage, Jesus Christ should be born. And from his lineage, all the families of the earth should be blessed. And this was not a woulda, coulda, shoulda. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. God gave this as a unilateral covenant. And we saw that also displayed when he commanded uh, Abraham to, the, the animals were divided and laid apart there in Genesis chapter 15. And Abraham, as the ancient custom was, was not commanded to pass in between the pieces to ratify the covenant. It was the smoking, fiery furnace of the presence of God alone who passed among those pieces, showing forth that he himself would fulfill his obligations of this covenant alone. So obviously, become there didn't mean it came into being. Become, Abraham showing forth faithfulness, it manifested, my friends, that he was the one that God had showered special blessings upon, and it would be of his seed that he would give special blessings unto all the earth. Manifestation. James chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now verse 11. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill... Thou art become a transgressor of the law. Well, somebody may say, well, there you go. I'm not guilty of adultery and I didn't kill. Therefore, up to that point, I'd not be a transgressor of the law. I'm under no transgression of the law because there it said, yet if thou uh, kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. But if I'm innocent of all that, I'm not going to become or come into being to be a transgressor of the law. But notice verse 10, he said very plainly that if you're guilty of just one point of lack regarding the perfect, holy, righteous law of God, then you're guilty of the whole thing. Do you think he's sitting there telling you that you won't be a sinner, that you won't be a lawbreaker, uh, you know, unless you do a certain sin or a certain transgression? No. There he's saying, thou art become a transgressor of the law. That means that if you do sin, you know you're guilty not only of that sin, but it's also manifesting to you that you're guilty of all the sins. You see, become, genomahi, means to show forth, to make appear, to manifest. Another one, Romans chapter 7, verses 12 through 13. Wherefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Let me ask you something. The wickedness and transgression of sin before the law was given on the mountaintop of Sinai, uh, was it exceeding sinful? Yes, it was. Sin is 
horrid. It's an abomination before God. That's why no one in their sins, not even one sin, could ever live in the presence of the glorified Father. That's why, again, we need Jesus Christ to redeem us. We need the Holy Spirit to cleanse us. All right. Well, what is he saying here? He's saying in Romans chapter 7 that it wasn't until you read the Mosaic law that you became uh, exceeding sinful. And it wasn't until the time you read the Mosaic law that sin actually became as bad as it is. But what he is saying is that when you read the law with a, a grace-touched heart, seeking God, and you read that holy law, and you see how far below it you, you are below the standards, you, you can't meet it, you can't keep it, it just manifests to you in your mind and heart and soul that sin is exceeding sinful. You're not just a little sinner. You're a huge sinner. Because if you've ever broken one of the commandments, you're guilty of the whole. What hope do we have at the last judgment day? The only hope we have is that Jesus kept the entirety of the law for us and it was imputed unto us and applied unto us vitally through the manifestation, through the working of the Holy Spirit of God. And see, that become, that genomahi means to manifest it doesn't mean to bring, bring into uh, being. There, in these contexts, it means to manifest. Now, real quickly, we're going to read our verse again. Having looked at the use of genomahi or become, hopefully you already believe that become doesn't mean that when you hear the gospel and believe it, then you are changed from uh, polluted in your sin and on your way to hell to secure for heaven. Because you believed. No. You believing manifested, all right, in this sense, all right? So we read this text again. John, verse 1, 11 through 13. He came into his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power, authority, to become the sons of God, or to be manifested as the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, quickly, I want you to know something, my friends. Our text declares way too much for it to mean that accepting the truth of Christ turns you from a child of Adam to a child of God. It says way too much for us to believe that. All right? Uh, why? Point number one, he said it's to those who received him. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 tells us very plainly that no man, no man can receive the things of the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, a knowledge, a blessed vision of Jesus Christ as Savior, brothers and sisters, there's no way you can see that except by the Spirit because that is the most spiritual and wonderful, eternal gift there ever has been. Point number two, this promise was to those who believe on his name. Those are the ones who became the sons of God or in the manifest sense. To those who believe on his name. How can you believe on his name? Do you believe on his name to get eternally saved? Or can you only believe on his name because you've already been made eternally saved and secure? John chapter 10, verses 26 through 27, Jesus said, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Notice here, he did not say, you are not my sheep because you don't believe. He said, you believe not because you're not of my sheep, which means what? If you believe, it shows forth, it manifests, you're already a sheep. First John chapter five, verse one, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is, that means is presently 
born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Obviously, if you've come to believe on Jesus as the Savior, it means he's already your Savior. He hasn't become your Savior. You can only believe in him as Savior if he's actually saved you. Otherwise, he's a wannabe. All right, point number three. And it was to those who had already been born, not of blood. Now, there's no way to deny that, the structure of that sentence. It tells you that all that went before it, all those things that were manifested, the belief and the receiving were to those who had already been born of the Spirit of God. And he said, this birth was one, not of blood. That means not of all the sacrifices of animals and beasts or of the circumcising of the flesh. He said, nor of the will of the flesh. That means the innate, fallen, polluted will of fallen, natural man could never reach for God, could never desire God. No, my friends, man's fallen nature is he has a will not. We will not come unto him that we might have life. See, he has to give us the will. So it's not of the will of the, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. That means it's not affected in you by any other person's strength, no matter how strong it is, their desire to save you, their prayer to save you, their work to save you, their testimony to save you, or their begging and pleadings of you to be saved, none of that will of man can save one person. But the answer is this, but of God. Truly it says in Romans 9, 13 through 16, as it is written, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Friends, if you're listening to this message today, and you're not a believer, and it makes you angry, I don't have any comfort for you. I would tell you to repent, just like I would tell anybody else. If you have the ability, the capacity to repent and see your sinfulness and love Jesus as your Savior, then you've got every reason to rejoice, not be mad. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. If you're listening to this today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you see your need of a Savior and you believe that God manifest in the flesh invaded time in your heart and has come and done something for you that uh, you couldn't have done for yourself and wouldn't have done for yourself, then brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you it was of God. And you are of God and you need to repent and confess him and join a good God-fearing Bible sound church and you need to serve Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior. And you'll have the power or the authority to become the sons of God or to be manifested as a precious, eternally saved son of God. Until we're able to speak with you again on these wonderful subjects, may the grace of the Lord be with you all. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. 
visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist Radio Broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful.